It's the 500th episode. Here we reminisce. Wow. About what 500 episodes has been like. Thanks for downloading Table Talk Radio. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. (laughs) I'm I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. So, uh, if you guys would put mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Like the 500th garbage pickup, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Congratulations. You made it. <laughs> I, 500 I mean, episodes. That's nuts. It is a little nuts, and uh, I never thought we'd make it to five. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is this is the reminiscing show, huh? This is uh, sure, sure, yeah, it's reminiscing. Um, so I mean, we, we were talking before the show, like maybe we should just we should just skip this one. <laughs> Let's just go four ninety nine five hundred one. We couldn't handle the pressure. Five hundred is too excellent. <laughs> But what better way to celebrate 500th anniversary by doing absolutely no show prep? I mean, we didn't even talk about I don't have a buzzword. It's like the capstone of normally we spend <laughs> like 30 seconds to 45 seconds actually plotting out what games we'll play, but we didn't even do that. That's, I know. I know. This table talk this but it would be I was you know what might be fun is to tell the story of how this whole mess got started. How many years ago was it? 10 years ago? Something crazy. Something like that. And then I thought we could, uh, I suggested, well, maybe we could just kind of reminisce about some of our favorite Table Talk Radio moments. But then, <laughs> I, then I can't actually think of any. I, think, I mean, maybe it'll I come think, back to me. I think my favorite was last week when we got done. I can move on with the rest of my day. <laughs> every time every time we stop recording, we're like, well, maybe that'll be the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of us will just finally be brave enough to say it to the other. Are we going to finally quit this nonsense? <laughs> Maybe we can hope. Um, not yet. Well, okay. Well, we can talk. We can talk about how it got started. So, I mean, I think we have different stories of how it got started. So, I'll. This is how. This is like Carrie and I have different stories about how we met. Do you know that? <laughs> this is the, so. You and I are going to have different stories about how it got started. What's well, your story? How do you remember this thing? Uh, well, I, I've always dabbled in radio. Um, and so the summer before I went to seminary, I was doing a little radio show in my hometown of, uh, Yuma, Colorado, and, uh, just a weekend show there, the local radio station, uh, KNEC. And so I was wanting to interview, um, somewhat local pastors and I knew of your interviews on issues, et cetera. And so, you know, Aurora, where you were at the time, it's a couple hours away from Yuma, so it's local-ish. So, uh, started doing interviews with you and and um, had you on pretty regularly, uh, and so you were uh, you were really 
informing the cows out there about Lutheran uh, Lutheran doctrine. So then I went to seminary, and uh, and I think you had contacted me saying, boy, I've always wanted to do a radio show, but I don't know how to do it. I was like, well, I know how to do it. And so we, we set up to do a radio show, and our, our plan from the get-go was that we would try to make it a syndicated radio program, you know, try to get it on as many radio stations as possible. And you remember this? We were spinning our wheels at that. I mean, it was – we got on a, on a handful of them. We were on in, yeah. in Colorado and Denver. and um, But the way this works for most radio stations – I mean, it's not like – you know, we're Rush Limbaugh, where where uh, where where people are wanting to get our program on their station. We we're the one that has the need. Uh, the radio station has the leverage, so they said, "Well, we'll let you buy your time." And and we thought, well, we could we could. That's why we made the show forty eight minutes long, four twelve minute segments, and we had the remaining of the hour to sell advertising. Uh, and I remember you were going around town. You're, you're going to like Helga's and Aurora, getting advertising and stuff. I and, do. I yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> and uh, that that just was a model that proved to be unsustainable. So, um, and meanwhile, we're putting our episodes on the, on the internet, and uh, you know, there's this uh, podcasting phenomenon that was uh, not very well known yet at that time. But that was when issues, etc., came back. Pirate Christian Radio came back. Or, or started, I should say, and um, and we got a lot of attention through the internet, and so we thought, why, why focus on radio stations? And we did that. So now, one one thing that I know you always say is that this started as a class project um, for me in class, <laughs> and uh, and and I it was true. I had a some kind of a missions class, and so we had to do a project, and so I just folded over my school project on top of actually getting work done to start this radio program. So. Isn't that something? This was a, the evangelistic outreach class. Can you imagine that this is... <laughs> hey, I got an idea. I, I always wanted to do... I always thought a live radio show would be fun to play... My original idea, I think we were talking about this, was to play games with callers. Yeah. So so we, so we a lot of the first games that we had were... They could be interactive with people, like law and or gospel uh, was a big one. In fact, I just I, at I think at the beginning I just imagined having like one of these daily call-in shows where you play law and or gospel, mm. and you read a text and someone calls in and they have to tell you if it's law or gospel, and then you give them a you send them a book if they get it right. And <laughs> I mean I, th- that was kind of the original thing is just to be able to catechize people on this, and then the the slant of playing games I think just kind of gave us a little niche until it was taken by those guys in Australia. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's right. It was taken away from us. No. For like, and they did their show for what? They did their show for about a year and a half and quit, and they're still more famous than Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. But, um, but, but the, there there were some moments. I mean, I remember, um, let's see. Uh, well, first of all, you gave your, yourself the, the title of theological bull rider, and you're oh, calling yeah. me the, the radio clown. Radio clown. That was nice. <laughs> but... Um, but but also, um, we we were doing things like interviewing Chris Tomlin. Uh, the praise song cruncher came, yeah. came from all that. I I put I put on what's your favorite on the on the Facebook page just a few minutes ago. I put what's your we're doing our 500th episode right now. What are some of your favorite TTR moments? And Kyle says the time you got Chris Tomlin to play contemporary or traditional. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like we like to play game. How in the world did we get him on? Who knows? But the game, tra- that game, traditional or contemporary, where you guess if a hymn was written before or after 1750, and Chris did not do so good on that. <laughs> but uh, the thing that stands out to me um, with that interview um, was 
how he kept talking about bringing people into the presence of God. And then, um, uh, what was this? That you asked him actually, what, what was the, the great thing that made God great? And it was just that he was awesome. You know, it was, it was, it was a very kind of a attribute driven kind of awe. Yeah. Uh, rather than what we might want to emphasize is the sacrificial work and action that God has done to redeem us through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, then, and then the, the, other, the other one that stands out to me is, do you remember when we interviewed um, the uh, artist or the, the, the songwriter of Revelation Song? And she spoke with us for probably oh, half an hour yeah. off mic. And I she do was, remember She that. was kind of giving us the, the sausage factory of the, of the praise song industry. Yes. I forgot we and we never published that. I think we didn't. I mean, she uh, asked we, us not to. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, the the part that we spoke with her off mic, we agreed not to put on, but the interview is out there. But um uh I mean, just just as a quick summary, she was talking about how all these songwriters in Nashville um are just trying to write songs for the praise song people like Chris Tomlin and the big names, and so they just look at what what songs are selling for them, what songs are trending in the market, and then they write write praise songs just to sell, just like any other music industry. And yet, these are the songs that are becoming our theology in the mouths of our of Christians and churches. I mean, it was yeah. really eye opening. Yeah, that's right. I had forgotten about that. Why were we? We were doing like a whole series. This is when the praise song, and I remember when the praise song cruncher was born. Um, I and I was driving down. I remember exactly where I was. It was in Aurora. I was exiting off of. I-225 South getting onto Colfax. That exit doesn't even exist anymore. It's been remodeled. <laughs> and I was talking to someone on the phone, and they were talking about this list of of new praise songs that have been approved for use in worship or something like that. By and, the LCMS, um, and, right? Yeah, by the LCMS. And they said, Brian, you got to take a look at this. And so I, st I started taking a look at it, and I couldn't get there. And I said, we need a different tool. We need something else. And so the praise song cruncher was, I bet you that came in, what, three years into the whole thing or two years at least it wasn't at the beginning um but yeah. that became some of our bread and butter uh the old praise song cruncher then this idea of ferreting out the mysticism that's there that's some that's something yeah uh then we then uh there's all the games that are gonna that that probably saw air once or twice that have never seen um, the light of day again. <laughs> um, Did you, we do something like at our 200th anniversary, we, we brought back like all the terrible games. Like, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like church history headlines. Right. Or, um, <laughs> what was it? There's some other ones. Um, uh, I can't even think of them now. We've, we've, we've cycled through a lot of games where we had a list of all of the games that we played at some point. Yeah. I think we've got around here somewhere. Where, where is that? Um, That'd be funny. We also so we we played uh, this game um, called Biggest Loser. Remember how that oh, worked? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So so we we would. Oh, do you hear that? I, I hear a noise. Is that the music? Okay. By the way, Joel says on what's the favorite moment? He says the bump music. <laughs> ironic, I think, Joel. I, I think he very mean, ironic. He means the old bump music, right? Joel, Joel means the bump music that he didn't write. <laughs> All right. I'm going to tell you about that game, Biggest Loser, right after this. Go, Don't go away.
busting the myth that practice makes perfect. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. My favorite part is singing along to the bump music. Of course it is. So, so 500 episodes. (laughs) Remember remember that time? (laughs) Here's a moment that I forgot. Is when um, you had you took some sound bites from me. And you and I wasn't even in, on the show, and you kept you made like a soundboard of me reacting to things when you were interviewing someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you had to run or something like that, and we were in the middle of an interview with somebody, so um, I just took over the interview. But I just grabbed little like a green. Oh yeah, good, good idea. Uh, that that's fantastic. And so you weren't even there, but I just kind of inserted your soundbite. That was oh, good. that's great. I w- I'm not even actually here now. This is just a soundboard of me. <laughs> I know. you think after 500 episodes, y- you would... I'd have a no... Yeah. The necessity of you to be here is probably about non-existent. <laughs> the AI. Okay, I, biggest I mean, loser. If, if, we start, if we start noticing you complimenting a lot, we know it's not the real you. <laughs> that's right. That's genius. I wish I would have thought of that. Fantastic. Dang. <laughs> Uh, so biggest loser, the idea was, because you know how it is, you go to a Lutheran church, and the preacher stands up there in the pulpit for like 15, I mean, when it starts hitting 18 minutes, like, man, this guy's long-winded. When's he going to stop? 20 minutes, that's a max. But you go to almost any other church, and they're preaching for like 45 minutes, and uh, you might just kind of compare that and go, man, the Lutherans don't have much to say. <laughs> so we thought we would do a little experiment, and we would put... I think this is how the idea of the game started, at least, that we would put two sermons next to each other, and if we cut out all the fat, cut out all the illustrations, how much content is actually there. That's where we got started. But then we thought, well, let's, let's, let's see how much gospel is actually in a sermon. So we took a Joel Osteen sermon, and we were going to cut out anything that wasn't I think it was I think it was Rick Warren versus Joel Osteen. You remember that? Right. And so we yeah. cut out all the non-gospel parts of, of a Rick Warren's sermon, and there was like... I don't know, a few minutes left after all that. But then we took Joel Osteen, and we were looking for gospel. And we came up with when he says, in Jesus' name. <laughs> a three-second sermon of gospel. <laughs> so Joel Osteen that. was the biggest loser. That's funny. That was a, that was a good one. That took a lot of show prep. Remember who, That's why remember? we only did it once. <laughs> And do you remember? That's why we also invented lumpy chunkle buns. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I yeah. forgot about lumpy. For lumpy, lumpy chunkle buns. He came along late, and he stuck around you for know, a little while. Really, my all alter this, ego who did show prep. All of this is really just a catalog of the ideas you come up with that do not persist. So we have lumpy. We've got mission vision. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean <laughs> mission vision at mission vision. Oh sorry, at mission vision. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Man, I wish I could get back onto that Twitter. That would be funny. <laughs> All right, we got a voice That's now. A... You want to hear it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Hey, pastors. My name is Remy. I am really just excited about everything you guys do. I just wanted to thank you all so much. I found Table Talk Radio somehow uh, only like a month ago, and I just wanted to call in and let you guys know I just really appreciate everything else that you do. <laughs> 
Well, who is that? Remy. I appreciate every other voicemail you've left us, Remy. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. That's good. Stuff. How did the whole mediocre thing start? You know that? So this happens well, now. I don't know if I've told you this because like, people will comment on some of my YouTube videos. They're like, oh, fantastically mediocre. Just <laughs> splendidly mediocre. And then other people get offended. They're like, it was good. It wasn't it was good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the Table Talk Radio Insider thing. It gets in, it gets them in trouble in other contexts. But well, I th- I think what it was it was, and I I I remember this that you said you know, um, uh, you you can host the show, and uh, what was it we were gonna, we, that I was I was supposed to make fun of you and you were supposed to make fun of oh that was yeah that was the agreement to protect your tender ego that. Uh, <laughs> Because remember, remember, this whole thing started when you were just a seminary. That's, in fact, I think maybe been one of the funnest things of this whole of this whole thing is to is to just listen to your theology and and grow and grow and grow and to see it plateau. (laughs) (laughs) At some point, you can't can't stop. You got to stop growing. You know, once you reach. So uh, let's see, seminarian, then vicar, because this started your second year at seminary. And uh, and all your classmates are like, uh, are you sure you're supposed to be? I mean, it was kind of fun having uh, my little setup in the dorm rooms and having like Doctor Fakinsher, Doctor Scare come over to the dorm rooms that and do stuff. Cool. In the- <laughs> I had uh, Doctor Fakinsher be my be your substitute co-host one show. Wow, that was nice. That was that was that probably cool. the pinnacle of table talk. When it the best it got. This is um. The so we had seminarian, vicar, then seminarian again, and then pastor elect, and then pastor gig line. That was that's been really cool. To, but I think that was the thing that we said at the beginning. I we said this is kind of our standing agreement. You make fun of me, and I'll make fun of our show. Yeah, so, and then you forgot that was well. the agreement. Oh, did I? <laughs> did I make fun of you? No, no, never. I think I think we both make fun of the show plenty. Right. It's not like it's hard to do. Well, and then, uh, I mean, not only my theological growth, but also my vocational growth. So there, yes. there we went from hanging out at the Club Rogue River. That, that's right, Club Rogue River. I had forgotten about Club Rogue River and the Who Wants to Date a Seminarian hotline. Uh, yeah, you never made fun of me. No, no, never. <laughs> Glad we stuck to that agreement. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Uh, but then uh, Mandy entered the picture. Now Lily's in the picture. And uh, now there's a, a longer re- uh, delay time between recording Table Talk Radio episodes to producing Table Talk Radio episodes. So, yeah, you see a progression there. Yeah. It is. But this thing is, I mean, by the way, I mean, everyone probably knows this who listens, but that you do all the work. I mean, <laughs> well, and like I, I rock up to the microphone and then and you're like, OK, now I'm recording and now I'm. And, you know, and truth mean, be all told, all the technical stuff and everything. But and truth be told, that we, we've we've really streamlined everything. That you know, it used to be. I mean, when we were when we were new at this, you know, we would record the uh, the audio just raw, and then we would in post production oh, put man. in bumps. And oh. uh, and at that time, we were sending shows to the radio stations, so we had to um, not only get it ready for podcasts. But we couldn't do copyrighted music on the radio station, so we did different bump music for the radio station. Had to produce it into one big long file rather than some radio stations wanted it in one big long file, other stations wanted it in segments. And so, I mean, I was probably spending 
what did I say at one point? Like 15 hours per episode just to get it ready for all the radio stations and stuff. Um, that was that was. I remember we had that conversation because we were in seminary, and that's when we decided to purchase the tie lines. Yeah, because because we were you were recording audio on your end, I was recording audio on my end, and we were we were merging it together, and uh, it was just a lot of post production work. But now we have it streamlined that we have the the music kind of ready to go, all timed out, and uh, that's why the music just kind of dawns upon us because we have it timed for the segment length, and and then I just. I just do a, a few edits and then I send it over to Chris and Chris actually puts it on the podcast stream for us. So that away, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Chris. And he's oh, been doing Chris. that uh, volunteer for I don't know four years, five years. I mean, he's been doing it a long time. It's so. great. Yeah, this. I mean, I remember those early days. We I'd record my audio and then I'd email it to you or upload it to Dropbox and then you'd sync it up and. Yeah. Oh, and we were talking to each other on Skype so that we could. Oh man, what a that was incredible. So yeah, but we. I mean, uh, the the whole like like everyone who does anything with Lutheran Public Radio now has like a Comrex, you know, the the, the little box that they connect to 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 talk to. Um, that that wasn't that common at that point, or it was very expensive at that point. So so no one was really doing what we were doing at that time, podcasting from two different locations and making it sound. High fidelity, so yeah, it was good stuff. Uh, what else did we do? We did. Uh, I got I got a bunch of comments from the Facebook. Oh here. yeah, please. So Gene says, "Goody Warkus," <laughs> <laughs> favorite moment. And then Brian responds, "As a Presbyterian, this remains one of my absolute favorite moments." Well, was you reading some sort of Scottish confession? Yeah. yeah. Oh, what's the role of Goody Warkus? Goody Warkus. Oh man, that's great. Um, let's see. Sean says, when the end of show music starts playing, it's everybody's favorite. <laughs> Carrie says, the ocean joke, nothing, it just waves. I hardly remember that. <laughs> Although I told that joke to the kids. I, we had a, a high school choir here at St. Paul last night. They were fantastic. And I was bringing these five guys to church this morning, like 530 this morning. And I told them that joke and it got nothing. I told them all my best stuff. And so I came up with the hilarity bell curve, by the way, and it has to do with time. If it's five in the morning, nothing's funny. <laughs> Maxwell says, there's too many golden moments even to count. I added the word golden. Uh, Ardith <laughs> says, when you analyzed the pop song Rockabye and Pastor Wolfmuller made up his own back backing lyrics. Really? I do not remember That's that. That's your favorite? <laughs> We should not be know. encouraging Pastor Wolfman to be adding anything musically to the show. Sandy mentions, I always enjoy the Iron Preacher. We haven't uh, done that we in a long need time. To. It's a logistical issue with Iron Preacher because we always have to, we have to time it with Dr. Fakinsher and another guest. Yeah, so, get, so that, four people. Yeah. That is the most logistically difficult thing that we do, but that's always fun. To, yeah, to we, do should, we should do that Especially as we just, the you know, I, I always lose. I remember like the first show after I got ordained was... Me versus you, Iron Preacher. <laughs> How'd that go? I, I probably won. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Sally says, anytime you incorrectly pronounce silent letters. <laughs> Again, I not to be I encouraged. forgot that standing joke. <laughs> I know. We should. We didn't have an inventory of all of our standing jokes because we can't I, keep track of them all. I know. Just forget. <laughs> all right. We need to take one more break. Hey, I, I want to bring to your remembrance the time you interviewed for Table Scraps, James Nestigan. I'm going to play some audio 
for that. That was uh, okay. That was a good interview. We'll be right back. How many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? You'll probably have to settle for one. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. So in addition to the the regular thing we were doing, we also started a little side uh, side thing called table scraps. Yeah, because I mean, the overflow. I mean, we were horsing around during the episodes, and then we wanted to interview like serious topics and guests, and so it just didn't seem very fitting in some cases. And we wanted to be free from the constraints of the the radio timetable, so we did table scraps. And uh, and I remember one of the first ones you did solo. I guess outside of Tim Chris Tomlin <laughs> was um, uh, James Nessigan. I think I think I was at the sim, and uh, he was hanging around. So so I I set up an interview for you and him, and and there are still things in that that interview that I quote today in like a Bible class when a topic comes up, relevant stuff. And the one that sticks out in my mind was that you were asking him about this connection between the fifth commandment and the sixth commandment, so that. Uh, how often we see a breaking of the sixth commandment uh, leads to a breaking of the fifth commandment. So you have like David, who uh, who commits adultery with Bathsheba, and then the result is killing Uriah. And then, of course, today we see the epidemic of abortion in our midst, um, so that you have a breaking of the sixth commandment leading to the fifth commandment, things like this. And you asked him about that, and he said that— um, when you worship the body, you worship something that dies, and you become a servant of death. <laughs> I mean, that that is so profound. And uh, we were just trying to grab the soundbite. I'll, I'll go back and put it in post-production, but we were just trying to find that soundbite, and we were just coming up in gold in that interview. I mean, so I mean, one of the interesting things he just said as we were was we were seeking through that interview was um, th- that the that we've moved the direction of of the body being uh, members of uh, of the community, rather than uh, owned by our Lord Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so that so that we're expected to um, conform our bodies really to the to the collective, rather than that we've been bought with a price. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that interview, but that was I asked. I remember asking him, "How do you think of these things?" And he he just says, "Well, I just walk around thinking about the catechism." Yeah. Yeah, he just goes on these long walks every day and meditates on the catechism and makes these connections. It's it's, it's that's phenomenal. I'm gonna go back and listen to that. Yeah, that was really something. I remember we and we the other thing that we started kind of the side gig was the called by the gospel. Yeah, uh, episodes, which was more recently, and man, those were really I think really popular. Um, where we tell someone telling their story becoming Lutheran and then you and I would talk about it. That was a lot that was a lot of fun too. Yeah. And and I think um, we haven't given up on that. It's just we've been distracted, you know. I mean, I think yeah. that we want to keep doing that. Yeah, that's right. Um uh I got a couple another one. The two people mentioned this episode. Charles and Raymond mentioned counting heads in the Unum Sanctum episode. <laughs> Did the Catholic Church sell indulgences or were they free gift in return for your free gift? Both great moments. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh man, uh, uh, th- then we had the OCB. Oh 
yeah. The official God. Calvinist blogger. Because you, you'd always mock the reform by having like uh, eight blogs per blogger. Calvinist, right. Yeah. Because I could not, and I still cannot account for the lack of Calvinists in real life and the overabundance <laughs> of Calvinists on the internet. Just something's wrong with the math there. So we, we ended up uh, having an official Calvinist blogger, the OCB, and he would respond with Calvinist things. Oh, that was, that was a, oh, the good old days. Do you remember that time that you had Dr. Scare come over to your dorm room to debate the, <laughs> yeah. the guy about the resurrection? So should I do a little, little insider on that? I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say it, and, it, and you can tell me if I should take it out or not. But So what happened was is I had this idea of, uh, of a, having, hosting a debate. And um, you know, one of the most talented apolo- apolo- uh, apologists we have, I think, in the Missouri Senate is uh, Adam Francisco. And so I, I contacted Francisco, and I asked him if, uh, if he would be willing to do a debate. And um, there was someone uh, – I think I visited the Atheist Club in – uh, Fort Wayne, Free Thought Fort Wayne, and they have a guy who is part of the Jesus Seminar, um, Dr. Price, who has family there or something, and he would just, you know, pop in often to the to the Atheist Club. So the guys at the Atheist Club gave me his contact info, and I asked him, would he be willing to do a debate about uh, the resurrection, whether res- resurrection was a reliable historical event or not? And... Um, and so he said, "Yeah, sure." So I called back Francisco, and he double booked himself or something like that. He couldn't he couldn't get out of it. So I was kind of like, "I gotta find someone else to do this debate," and uh, I mentioned it to Pless. You remember this? Mm-hmm. Oh, right, I told you that. So mm-hmm. so Pless in that moment picks up the phone and calls David Scare, Doctor Scare, and says, "Hey, do you want to debate Doctor Price?" Oh yeah, sure, I'd love to. Uh, uh wait, uh. <laughs> Uh, okay, <laughs> I mean, uh, I thought he did a fine job, but the the name that rushes to my mind for apologists to debate a Jesus seminar guy was never David Scare. You're right, but uh, you know he did a good job, and it was it was it was uh, fun to to orchestrate and fun to listen to. Yeah, um, you know I hadn't ever moder- moderated a debate before, and I was anticipating needing kind of all this uh, break time in between because you know people are giving like. 15 minutes on one side, then a rebuttal and back and forth. And I thought, well, we need to have a lot of cushion in those. And I thought, in hindsight, it was just way too many breaks. I would have just just gone after it. But mm-hmm. other than that, I think it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was fun. We have never done that again, though. It's, <laughs> again, it's kind of hard to – the logistics of this stuff, you know. We're just – but that was – that was a, it was a very interesting thing. And out of that interview came one of my favorite sound bites of the whole history of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Was when Doctor Scare, you just caught him just on the mic saying, "It's really classy in here." That's how that's how he signed off the debate. <laughs> David Scare goes, "It's really classy up here." <laughs> you know, most people, it's like, "Thanks for coming in, thanks for having me," something like that. He said, "It's really classy up here." <laughs> Who won that debate? Do we know? Well, I suppose that's in the. Judgment of the audience, and the audience would mostly be those who already agree with us. So I yeah, think that even scare one. We uh, do you remember this? We used to have this check sheet that was how to tell if you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. 
And we did that in preparation for the National Youth Gathering every year. We would put it in a PDF, and it had 10 ways to check. Except for, it was, so we would sometimes listen to youth conference speakers to see if they were using the checklist and to see how emotionally manipulated you were being. But uh, but then we thought, this is too powerful of a weapon. We didn't want it to get out into the youth speaker's <laughs> hands. Right. Because if someone ever used that checklist for a, you know to actually prepare a speech they would be unstoppable well so speaking at some point did we think that the the, the praise song cruncher also got out and people were using it to design their praise songs well you had always made them? the assertion that the the praise song cruncher wasn't anything that the praise song writer would be offended by right in other words uh this this is what they're going i mean so so the point was is that the assumption is that we should be writing songs that are mystical right yeah. Uh, speaking of checklists, we also had the uh, the how how big of a missionalist are you? Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> so yeah, missionarific or <laughs> hypermissionified? Hi- <laughs> <laughs> and so we would listen to a video. This is one that got us in hot water. Yes. Uh, we, oh we, we, I, oh we would, yeah. We would listen. Did to we like, ever get in the hot water? The the, the we we. I listened to like a video from the Northwest District being uh, hyper missionified, and uh, and yeah, so that happened. <laughs> we'd, we'd run it through the questionnaire, like how hyper missionified are you? So yeah, um, let's right. see. Uh, I for, let me see. I we that there was also a th- some stuff that came out of that. So we had merch for a while. Remember that we oh, were making T-shirts because we, we could just make a merch. T-shirt in like five minutes. We still have merch. Less. So we had a. I don't want to be a gnostic. Oh yeah, I'm an executive session. Oh, someone <laughs> said that here. They said their favorite moment is any time Evan puts Brian in executive session. <laughs> that was because remember sometime back seven years ago that the Missouri Synod accidentally elected me to be on the board for national missions. So I was doing that for three years, and I was always complaining about it. I think every time we did this show, I was complaining about it. And I was sitting there always telling them that they shouldn't be in executive session because who needs it? All right. Anyway. It's an escape to, to not have to have your business recorded in minutes, right? Yeah. So now oh, that's executive session. Forgot that. Uh, what about um, uh, your interview series with Dr. Schultz? Yeah, that was a, the philosophy. He's always on my case to do another—he wants to do another series. We did his 10 images of, what, 10 basics of philosophy? And uh, that's that. people still will comment on that. It was, a, it was, a, it was sort of a table, talk, table scrap series that we did with a blog post, and you can still find it on—I think it's on the Around the Word website uh, over at whatdoesthismean.org. Is there anything from that that stands out to you? Well, it, it was really helpful for me, especially the first ones. He talks about Aristotle's four causes. He talked about Plato's cave. And then he talked about Cyril's, the Chinese room or whatever, which is combating the idea that our minds are are like computers. He said, that's a bad anthropology. That was really helpful. Hmm. And I, But I think understanding Aristotle's four causes has been the most helpful. And he took that conversation to Luther's Theses on Man, where Luther says that we consider man to be justified by God. Now that, so that insight from Luther is supremely profound and put in the, put in contrast with Aristotle's anthropology. 
that that was really i still think i still meditate on that now trying to think about what it actually means but hmm. i just found the uh the how to tell if you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker they begin in um, ecstatic frenzy and ends in an intimate whisper <laughs> quotes incessantly from pop culture movies this is when we were doing the the youth gathering speaker and i became unhinged because he was disparaging churches who had old people in it as if they don't need the forgiveness of sins <laughs> that's right oh man all right one more segment segment of our reminiscing stay tuned Don't ask me why, but you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The Sunday Drive Home, grappling with the text on the Theo vlog. These are some of the playlists on the YouTube channel. Visit YouTube slash Wolfmuller1. Check it out there. Remember the time you said that Joel wrote this? Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that, actually. <laughs> I do. I remember all the things I get wrong. Steve says, Lady Gaga and the Dalai Lama's explanation for evil in the world. <laughs> I forgot about that one, too. Huh. Do you remember anything about that? Mm-mm. I, no. I mean, I remember that being really interesting because they basically, if I remember, it had basically the same explanation. What about No One Loves Joel Osteen and Fortune Cookies? That was a fun game. Huh. You know what I, for, I always forget about and then always remember and then always forget again? And that is the cult of pure doctrine. Oh, yeah. Remember that? <laughs> we, so I was sitting around the pastor's conference and some guys walking around complaining. All these guys in college like, this is like a gathering of the cult of pure doctrine. And I said, that's mine. And that happened the other day when I was at my Winkle. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to admit this on the air, but we were sitting at the Winkle here. It's kind of different down here in Texas, and uh, and and we were listening to a presentation from someone, not in the Winkle, someone at a distance, who was saying the big problem in the church is that we think of the church as a sacramental distribution center. And I said, well, that's because that's what it is. So now, that's like my new cult of pure doctrine, sacramental <laughs> distribution center. You're going to change the sign out, out front, the Sacramental Distribution Center, Lutheran Church. Mm -hmm. That'd be good. Mm -hmm. Here's one. Remember when <laughs> this is good. When you did an interview with the author of Jesus is Better Than Football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I barely remember that. That was another one of those times when we got in a bit of hot water, huh? Yeah. So, so. <laughs> We we were, someone sent us. See, it's our listeners that get us in trouble. I know we're, we're not the ones. We're just I know, peaceful, <laughs> gentle. But, but we, we, you know, you wanted to. Well, someone asked us to run the song "Jesus is Better Than Football" through the praise song cruncher. Which wonder how that's going to do. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a song written for the Super Bowl, and someone said, "Well, hey, if you're going to crit critique it, you might as well talk to the guy that wrote it because it was in an LCMS church, and I think he did, and it just." I, I, that did not stand out for a reason. We'll just put it that way, right? I mean, it is just that there was nothing happening in that interview. Well, it wasn't. It was something like Jesus is better than. It's like, and and the question was, well, is he? Isn't it true? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. But there's a lot of things. Like, there's a lot of things. But you know, there, there, that got to this common bad idea. That, how does this go? That um, 
you know, there's this sort of upsetness in American Christianity that people don't get as excited about things like football or concerts mm -hmm. as they do with things like Jesus, you know. And uh, and so they'll say, you know, look, there you are at the Super Bowl, hooping and hollering and all this other sort of stuff. But why did you hoop and holler in church? Well, there's different kinds of excitement. You know, there's different. Right. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect that at. Uh... Yeah. Um, now, what happened the time when we were looking at the I think well, I don't remember how this came about. Was it a game where? Oh, we were probably playing um, name that church body where I grab website things. And there was a a, a church that said. Um, you might not know it or be able to tell from what you see, oh, but we are actually. You remember all the times we got in trouble. <laughs> a Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. Uh, and you said, what did you say? I said, that's theological cross dressing. <laughs> you said it was like going on a date with a cross dresser that you think it's a. You, I think it's an evangelical. Oh, it's a Lutheran. <laughs> like that scene in Crocodile Dundee. And you the guys. Oaks of Sheila. <laughs> You that is not okay to that. say anymore, Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> and then I don't, is... <laughs> I don't know if it was that after that, but at some point we had to have a show where no laughing was was allowed. Oh, that's right, because yeah, we were criticized. I because that was, and then we got into it with the five two and the uh, oh man, what a mess that was. And then and then we got some seminary professor from St. Louis talked about how we giggled too much oh yeah that's what it was can you believe that we got we got insulted on the st louis seminary blog <laughs> what for giggling and for so giggling that's and so then we had show. to have the yeah. no laughing show yeah yeah <laughs> that's pretty good actually we should do that all the time i think it's getting easier yeah it's, that's for sure <laughs> but wow it, i forgot about that it, it was, how come you remember all the times we got in trouble uh just, how come you remember all the times i got in trouble <laughs> how come it. i'm always the one getting in trouble uh, i don't know i don't know either talk about the listeners egging us on you're you're egging me on <laughs> we had that we uh, had the praise song cruncher marathon where we just went like i don't know 10 praise songs and we didn't care how long how long it went and we just crunch praise songs like it was nobody's business yeah i forgot about that too i probably blocked it out of my mind mm -hmm. uh david says the time i almost beat pastor wolfmuller in bible b <laughs> david give me another shot at that yeah i know it that's not so hard uh i think this i you know there's i love it when we're playing bible b and you know like you got catchemire on and you're giving them all catechism <laughs> verses and you're giving me verses from Esther, I know, and Job, so or whatever, and then and then people are are incensed about it, like it wasn't fair. <laughs> That's part of the fun. We apparently, so, Evan and I, whatever part of the mind should make uh, people ashamed of being publicly wrong about stuff, you and I don't have. So. That's I why we we shape the games in a certain way to where we're the embarrassed ones. Yeah, the games. This is perfect. the ga The games we make as a way to to talk about stuff. In case that isn't obvious, and so we wanted to talk about a hymn, and so we played "Don't Forget the Stanzas to Your Hymns" with Cantor Rash, and uh, I forgot what hymn we. Oh, it, it, I have it here. Uh, Hark! A thrilling voice is sounding. And as is par for the course, Wolfmuller was just bombing on these, just not even getting them close. And le later, Cantoresh said, he's not very good at this. 
<laughs> well, that's been the problem, right? Because we've been we've talked to some people. We've wanted them on the show, but they like they want it to be scripted out, and they want to know. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, no, you just gotta. You, if you don't know something, you just don't know. If you get it wrong, you get it wrong. That's how it goes over here. And well, some people just don't don't like that. Well, I, I, I don't. How much time do we have? Because I'm interested to hear from you. Like, what just your reflection? Five hundred episodes. What's been? What do you think has been the most helpful thing or most surprising thing? Most edifying thing in this whole mess of table talk. Well, um, certainly we've probably got the most feedback about the Prey Song Cruncher, and I think that's because, um, you know, for the very reason it was put together, that um, people can can go to a church where a Prey Song is sung, and they ask themselves, what theologically is wrong with this? And there's nothing to really pin down. And yet— that person knows there is something wrong with this. <laughs> and what the Praise on Cruncher has allowed them to do is to really put some handles on this monster and say, yeah, that's it. You know, we're not actually proclaiming Christ and crucified. It's an appeal to my emotions. Um, and, and so being able to, to really put some handles on that. And I think that's had the biggest impact for people because now when they see that what the, that worship is trying to do is to create an experience for me rather than deliver the gifts. And uh, because of it's just the prominence of praise songs and the great necessity for that tool to, to be out there, I think we get the most um, feedback on that. And we should probably say, too, um, that we do get uh, emails on a fairly regular basis of people saying, uh, hey, thanks so much for your show and others like yours because, you know, I came out of XYZ Church and have decided to join our local you know, Lutheran Church. Uh, they've been able to kind of cut through um, the uncertainty and 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 come to a, a understanding of the clarity of the gospel, which is partly why we started Called by the Gospel. So, uh, so I think that's always the most rewarding to see that people are finding um, certainty of their salvation and resting in the forgiveness of their sins uh, through our show and others like ours. Yeah, that's great. No, you're right. I mean, those those emails are really profound to to see that. That's yeah, great. What about you? What I mean, we have a minute and a half here. Is there anything that stands out for yeah, you? There's a lot of. I mean, you, you know, we're kind of. In some ways, it's like uh, th- this show is like a workshop for us and for our ideas and for our topics we want to explore and it's exercise and discernment that's you know that's why we wanted the game format so that so we could teach that we had this idea from the very beginning is that you teach the rules and when you teach the rules of a game you're teaching discernment so when you teach pray song cruncher when you teach law and or gospel when you teach 10 commandments in the news you're teaching the catechism and then and then when you play the game you're teaching people how to apply it and i think that 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 theology is applicable applicable to our um, to our to our life, I think that's uh, you know I think that's that's right. And also, you know this this thing. I think this actually matters maybe more than we can than we know. And that is that theology is enjoyable, or that theology is is fun. That theology is 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 joyful. That there can be that we can you know that we can take ourselves not so seriously while we take the the Lord's word seriously. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I got two more Facebook comments. All right, real quick. One is the episode where Pastor Flammy calls essential oils witchcraft (laughs) from Genevieve. And then Renee says, 
The time when I posted on Table Talk Radio's 500th episode Facebook post to get free advertising for my home congregation at Martin Luther Chapel in Marathon, Florida. I remember that. All right, that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Yeah, for 500 episodes. Thanks for listening, and here's to the next 500. Yep. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, air loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.